Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, send it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Before we uh, uh, get started, I do want to... Let you know that the show is brought to you by the financial support of our listeners. And I especially uh, want to thank uh, Donald and uh, so much for his support. We'll send access to the premium side as we do with all donations of $7 or more. Also, up at the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio website, greatdetectives.net, is my review of the 1996 film The Saint with Val Kilmer. Does Val Kilmer measure up? To Roger Moore and George Sanders, find out what I think, greatdetectives.net. And you can uh, subscribe to these uh, reviews and articles uh, and have them automatically delivered on your Kindle. Just put Great Detectives of Old Time Radio in the search box, and you can try that service out free for two weeks. Well, now it's time for today's episode of Police Headquarters. Uh, first up, we will have... Paid in full, followed by hot bonds. Police headquarters. Hold the wire, please. Detective Bureau, Captain McNeil. This is patrol and Bishop, Captain. I'm at the subway terminal building. Some guy just killed a man right in front of the building and disappeared under the crowd. Evans and I gave chase but couldn't get him. Certainly. All right, phone a description into radio. I'll send Berger down to take charge. Right. Mm-hmm. Shooting in front of subway terminal. Get a couple of boys and have one down there. Round up all the witnesses you can find and report back here. Right. Oh, well, the man outside waiting to see you. What does he want? Don't know. Says he wants to see you. Oh. All right, send him in. Captain, I'll see you now. Uh, right in there. Thank you. Captain McNeil? Yes? I believe you've just had a murder reported. What about it? I feel that I might be of assistance. Our men can handle it. I see you don't understand me. What I mean, Captain, is I might be able to, what that is, tell you something about the case. Were you a witness? Very much so, Captain. Hmm. Come in and sit down, Mr. Uh, Shall we say uh, Brown? If you wish. Thank you, Captain. Uh, have the chair. Thank you. As you were saying, oh, yes. I, uh, I was saying that I could tell you something of interest about the murder of Andrew Adams. Adams? Yes. I believe he's known as Andrew Spider now. Mm. Go ahead, Mr. Brown. Do you know the man who killed him? Yes. Although I have my doubts if you'll be able to do anything to him. Why do you say that? The answer to that is a long story, Captain. A story you'll find hard to believe. But as I say, the police will find it very difficult to punish the murderer. (coughs) John Fleming thought things out very carefully before he killed Andrew Adams. Would you like to hear the whole story? I would. Very well. (coughs) John Fleming 
the man who killed Adams is a rather small man, much the same build as myself. He is no longer young. Years have put their mark on him. Only two months ago, he was released from Stonehill Prison. Oh, ex-convict, huh? Good. We'll have a complete line on him. Yeah, I think he realizes that. But to continue with my story, John Fleming was a hard-working farmer before his, his misfortune. He was well thought of in the community, well liked by everyone except one man, a neighbor of Fleming's. This man hated Fleming, and Fleming returned that hatred. One morning, a neighbor's body was found in the burned ruins of his home. Two bullets were found embedded in the body, and those bullets were traced to the gun of John Fleming. Needless to say, after a trial by a jury, John Fleming was called to face the bar of justice. Order! Order in the court! Gentlemen of the jury, have you reached a verdict? We have, Your Honor. Will you read that verdict? We find the defendant, John Fleming, guilty of second-degree murderous charge, with a recommendation for mercy. Second-degree murder. Order! Order! John Fleming, will you rise and face the court? You have been duly tried and convicted on a charge of murder in the second degree. The jury has handed the court a recommendation for mercy. Is there anything you wish to say before a sentence is passed upon you? Nothing, Your Honor, other than to once again maintain that I am innocent of this crime. On the witness stand, I readily admitted the enmity between the deceased and myself, however. I did not kill him. That is all I have to say. John Fleming, it is the order of this court that you be taken to the state prison at Stonehill and there be imprisoned for a term not to exceed 20 years. 
Start where he left off. I don't know just what you're leading up to, Mr. Brown, but you'll have to hurry your story. We've worked to do in this apartment. I won't take up much more of your time, Captain. I... <coughs> well, Fleming tried to find work. You have my word for that. But luck just didn't break for him. Finally, he came back here to his hometown. No one recognized him. He found a job in a trucking company. It was hard work for an old man. Each evening, he dragged himself home utterly exhausted from the day's work. One evening, he opened the door to his room and found... Good evening, Fleming. Adams. You're... You're... Alive. <laughs> oh, yes, I'm very much alive. Don't stand there staring. Come in. But I... I know you were told I was dead. You were convicted for my murder. You slaved 18 years for it, not knowing that it was alive and prospering. <laughs> you mean that... I mean you were framed, Fleming. Framed by me. I caused you to suffer in that living hell for 18 years because you married the woman I love. But Mary... Is... Yes, I know. Your wife died during the second year of your imprisonment. But no matter. I've had my revenge. I wanted to see you suffer. I wanted to see you in agony. Even though it meant burning my home and leaving town for 15 years. Are you... You fiend, I... Be careful, Fleming. I have a gun. I wouldn't hesitate to kill you like I would a dog. I thought perhaps the hardship of prison life would do it for me, but... You were too hardy. Never mind. You're dying. Your face shows it. Every movement of your body shows it. And you came up here to gloat over it. To enjoy my misery. Andrew Adams, I'll... You can't do anything. Andrew Adams is dead. My name is Spicer. I'm a well-to-do merchant. Nobody would believe you. But the body... A body which the authority mistook for mine? <laughs> oh, I planned things carefully, my friend. I stole your gun in your absence. The body was that of a tramp who came to my house begging food. I shot him with your gun. Poured oil on my house and disappeared. You can imagine what joy I had reading of your arrest and conviction. Oh, you, you... <coughs> you haven't long to live, Fleming. I had intended killing you, but I've changed my mind. I shall let you suffer. Suffer the knowledge that I, Andrew Adams, wrecked your life as you tried to wreck mine. But I didn't. Oh, I shall leave you now. Leave you in your misery, Fleming. Leave you to ponder on the wreckage you have made of things. You haven't long to live, Fleming. <laughs> oh, I, I can see that you're becoming interested, Captain. We come now to the last scene of this story. John Fleming was left alone to think things out. Prison had dulled his senses. It took him several days to map out his course. Then Fleming took what little money he'd saved and purchased a revolver. Next, he made arrangements to meet Adams at a downtown building. He was waiting when Adams arrived. So, you had the nerve to call on me for help, did you? Oh, do you think I'd help you? Do you think I'll give you one cent for doctors or medicine? I didn't come to you for aid, Adams. <coughs> I came to talk things over with you. Talk things over? What do I have to talk to you about? Several things, I believe. <coughs> First, I want to compliment you upon the planning and executing of such a 
diabolical scheme to wreak vengeance upon a fellow man. It was a bit of planning as only the devil himself could have accomplished. You have anything to say to me? Oh, you're a smart man, Adams. You knew exactly what you were doing. You knew that I'd be arrested and convicted for a crime which I did not commit. I believe the irony of the thing amused you. You knew just how everything would happen. You thought it all out in great detail. But there's one thing that you overlooked. I didn't. Oh, yes, you did, Adams. You overlooked the fact that a man can only pay once for the same crime. Once and once only. I've paid for your murder, Adams. Now I'm going to... No, no, no. You won't. Where can I find this Fleming? Why do you want to bother him, Captain? You, You can't convict him. I'm not so sure of that. He's already paid for the crime. Paid in full. He can't be made to pay again. Yes, but... It's not up to me. I'll have to arrest him. Arrest him for the murder of a dead man. Very well, Captain. I'm John Fleming. Police headquarters. Just a minute, please. Detective Bureau, Captain Young. This is Charles Sampson, president of the Investors Realty Syndicate. Yes, Mr. Sampson? I'm at the Third National Bank on Shortridge Avenue. Yes? I want you to send an officer over here immediately to arrest the president of this bank. Uh, uh, what is that? I want you to send someone over here to arrest the president of this bank. Well, what's he done? I'll explain that to the officer. Well, I'll be ready for myself. All right. I'll wait for you here. Yes, Captain. Uh, take the desk for a few minutes, Milton. I'm going over to the Third National Bank. What's up? Oh, some nut wants me to arrest Walter C. Morgan, the president. to arrest this scoundrel. I want you to take him down and throw him in jail. That's what I'm... My dear Mr. Sampson, if you'll just calm yourself. Me? Why, you... You... Arrest him. Arrest him, I say. On my constitutional rights, I demand that you arrest this... This thief up, my dear sir. I've explained... Uh, Just a minute. Just a minute. Let's get to the bottom of this trouble. Uh, You're Sampson of the Realty Syndicate? Yes. And this man... Uh, Just a minute. Just a minute. I'll hear your story first, if you don't mind, Mr. Morgan. I'd rather you heard Mr. Sampson. I'll have to admit it's all very mystifying to me. Very well. You'll hear my side of it, all right. I'm representing one of the largest real estate firms in this city. I came in this bank just one week ago today and borrowed $200,000. You you borrowed how much? $200,000. What did you borrow the money for? My company was bidding on a new tract of land. We wanted the cash to close the deal. I see. As collateral on the loan, I put up $250,000 worth of New York and Boston Railroad bonds. The real estate deal fell through. And I brought my check for $200,000 plus the interest to date and asked for my bonds. Yeah, well? 
Well, I was met with a cock and bull story that they couldn't make a child believe. What about this, Mr. Morgan? What Mr. Sampson tells you is absolutely true. Uh, this bank loaned him 200000 on the bonds. Uh, that was just a week ago today. And uh, what happened to the bonds? I don't know. You don't know? Have they been stolen? Or misplaced. I've tried to tell Mr. Sampson that if he'll give us a few days... Two I... days? Your bank piling up interest on the loan? Not a chance. Look here, Morgan. You produce my bonds immediately or I'll swear out a warrant for your arrest, Mr. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'll look into this thing, if you don't mind. Uh, who handled the transaction? Uh, Mr. Evans, the cashier. Where? In this office. Did you see the bonds, Mr. Morgan? Yes. And uh, were they in New York and Boston Railroad? Yes. Well, what happened after you inspected and passed on the bonds? I instructed Mr. Evans to draw a check for the amount and make the necessary arrangements with Mr. Sampson here. And uh, those arrangements were made? Yes. Then your cashier, uh, Evans, was the last man to handle the bonds. Right? That is correct. And if the bonds were stolen... But Captain Young, we're not sure that they were stolen. You see, when we opened Mr. Sampson's envelope this morning, expecting to find the bonds, we found these instead. And if you ask me, they tried to pass this worthless stuff off onto me, thinking that I'd not notice it. Uh, what are these bonds, if I may ask? They are an old issue of German municipal bonds. They're absolutely worthless. And you found these in the envelope instead of the railroad bonds, eh? Yes. Well, where were these bonds kept during the past week? In the vault. We have a special section for collateral. And they weren't moved until you went to get them today? As far as I know, they were not. Uh, who went for them today? Evans, the cashier. I see. Well, Mr. Morgan, uh, how many people in this bank would have access to the collateral? Three. Mr. Evans, Mr. Turner, the vice president, and myself. And one of you three crooks took my bonds. Mr. Sampson, I'm going to ask that you let me finish what I started without interruption. Well, well all right. But I want something done. Well, we'll do all we can. Now, Mr. Morgan, if you'll arrange for me to talk to the cashier, Evans, I'll see what we can do to that you placed the bonds in this envelope, huh? Yes, Mr. Morgan saw me do it. That right, Mr. Morgan? Yes, I was watching him. There's absolutely no chance that an error was made. And you took this envelope directly to the vault, Evans? Yes. And it's been in a vault ever since? Yes, that is, until I went for it today. Have you ever seen these uh, German municipal bonds before? No. Hmm. Well, it's beyond me. Morgan, uh, you loaned Samson 200000 on some New York and Boston Railroad bonds. Those bonds were entrusted to you for safekeeping, and he's ready to pay back the loan, and you can't produce the bonds. Well, looks to me as though you'll have to pay him the full price of the bonds, that is, if they're not found. And, of course, the bank will do it. We're fully protected by insurance. Oh, uh, Captain Young, you've made quite a reputation locally as a sleuth, and I'd appreciate it very much if you took a hand in this matter. Of course, the bank will call its own investigators, but I'd feel better about it personally if you took charge. Even if the trail led to one of your officers or yourself? Oh, even then. Hmm. All right, Mr. Morgan, you're on. Now, first I want the serial numbers on all the missing bonds. And then I want to talk to each and every one of the people <laughs> Oh, here comes the captain now. Oh, boys, I'm glad to see you're all here. I have to call you on such short notice that I was afraid I'd miss some of you. And here's what we're here for. Somebody pulled a fast one on the Third National, kitted an amount of 250000 in railroad bonds, New York and Boston. 
Of course, the bank has called its private dicks in on the job, and ordinarily I'd let them handle it. Except that I want to show these bank officials that we can turn the trick for them. Now, I have here uh, mimeographed copies of the serial numbers on the missing bonds. Uh, here's a description of the case and some other dope that you'll need. Uh, Downing. Uh, you get on the phone. Uh, cover every banking institution in the state. The bonds are probably on the move now. Uh, find out if any of these bonds have passed through the brokers. Yes. Uh, Turner. Yes? You're an old hand at this game. Get on the tele- uh, teletype. Uh, wire every section in the country. If these bonds have been taken out of state, it's your job to handle it. Right. Uh, Milton. Yes, sir. You tail Morgan night and day, and for the love of Mike, don't let him know it. Right. Uh, Hiller, you and Tubby get after Evans, the cashier, and any conies that he might run into. Make a complete report twice a day. Where got the captain? The rest of you boys circulate about and keep your eyes and ears open. Send to your routine duty, but remember, this department is on the trail of $250,000 worth of hot bonds. <laughs> Detective Bureau, Captain Young's office. Oh, in just a minute, Ed. Downing's on the phone, Captain. Uh, hello. Oh, they did, huh? When? Mm, yesterday. Now we're getting hot. Keep after him. What news, Cap? Well, Downing found out that the firm of Overlock and Bailey sold a big bunch of the bonds yesterday for a client named Smith. Smith? Yeah, name's probably a phony. He was described to Downing as a dapper little guy with a gray mustache. Had a letter of reference from the Third National. Mm. I'll get it. Hello? Yeah. Okay, Milton. Yeah, Downey just called in with a similar report. Keep right after it. Well, Milton found out that the Harrison Company sold some of the missing bonds this morning for the same Smith. Uh, get the commissioner for me. Right, he said he'd be over to... Yeah, what's the matter? Hello? Yeah, Milton. Oh, now you're getting somewhere. I'll stick around and pinch him when he shows up. Uh, no, no, wait a minute. Don't pinch him. Get one of the boys after, over there right away, and when the suspect gets there... Uh, let him make the transaction and then tail him. Keep your eye on him every minute. I've got a hunch, and if it works out, a certain gentleman in this town is going to be very surprised. Glad you got here, Captain. I'm waiting for him to come out. Mm-hmm. Where is he? In that office there. Mm-hmm. Who is he? I don't know, but it all checks. He's a little old man, about five feet four. Gray mustache and walks with a sort of a swing. Mm-hmm. How'd you get the lead? Well, I was covering the town like you told me. I asked about New York and Boston Railroad bonds at Adams and Sons, and they told me that they had a fellow in to sell some to a client of theirs at 2 o'clock. Mm-hmm. So I hiked to the phone and called you. Mm-hmm. What then? Well, I followed them like you said. As soon as I saw him, I knew that he fit the description of a guy who'd been passing him at the other places. So I kept right on his track till he stopped here, and then I called you again, and you came right over. Uh, how long has he been in that office? About 20 minutes or so. Uh, whose office is it? I don't know. Name's around the corner, I think. Uh, wait a minute. Oh, it's on this door over here. Say, say what, Cap? We're going into that office. All right, come on. Right behind me and keep your eyes open. All right, all right, lift them up. That's it, that's it. Up high. All right, see what the well, see what's in that little guy's hand, Milton. <laughs> Some of the funds, Captain. Yeah, just as I thought. And on the desk is the marked money that was with them at Adams and Sons, where they just sold some of the bonds. Hey, listen, I... Uh, time for you to listen, Samson. Oh, yeah? Well, you've got nothing on me. I'll tell Are you... Are you going to shut up, or do I shut you up? What's the talk, Captain? Milton, we just caught a couple of slickers. Samson here has thought the plan all out. He was the smart guy, but he got too bold. 
He should have held the bonds for a couple of years. I don't get you, Captain, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Samson is the man who owned the bonds originally. He saw a way to make 200000 on them by pulling a fast one in the bank. He borrowed the money on the bonds and then saw to it that they disappeared out of the vault so he could force the Third National to pay him face value for the bonds. But how, how did he get them out of the bank? Easy. Yeah, you see that little short guy standing there in front of you? Well, he did it. Samson hired him to steal the bonds out of the bank and pass them for him. Uh, you mean this little guy is a bank robber? Oh, no, not at all. Uh, jerk that phony mustache off of his upper lip. There, that's it. See? He's not a bank robber, he's a bank cashier. You're under arrest, Evans. Welcome back. Uh, one thing I find interesting is the golden age of entertainment had all these very fanciful interpretations of the uh, constitutional uh, provision uh, against double jeopardy. The fact that you're convicted of uh, murdering someone in a fire doesn't mean that you can shoot them and get away with it because you were convicted of previously murdering them. I doubt there are a whole lot of uh, precedents on that, just because when people are murdered, they tend to stay murdered. Uh, those are two separate crimes, separated by more than 20 years. I remember uh, it was a children's book written, I think, in the 1940s, where uh, the hero had uh, committed a crime and then uh, been put on trial and acquitted. I think it was a burglary, and then he went ahead and committed another burglary of the same place, and someone said he couldn't be tried again because he couldn't be tried for the same crime twice. Now, there are two different crimes, two different uh, occurrences. Though I do think in the case of the police headquarters, the prosecutor might make a decision to dispense with it or to at least arrange some other uh, arrangement, particularly with the state of health of the defendant. The second one, I had a kind of a hunch as to how it was going to turn out. I was surprised that the uh, bank clerk was an accomplice. I was thinking something had happened at the moment where the guy who deposited the bond switched them, but didn't quite get that part right. All right, well, that will do it for today. Join us tomorrow for a 1,300th episode special. I think you will enjoy it. It's an episode of Suspense. Uh, and uh, then on Monday, we will uh, begin it all again with uh, Pursuit, and then join us back here next Saturday for another episode of Police Headquarters. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter, Radio Detectives, and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.